Good Tuesday morning to everybody and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And uh, guys, it's a lot to talk about. Of course, both coaches had their press conference yesterday, talked to the media. We got injury updates. We learned a little bit uh, from, from both coaches. What were y'all's major takeaways from yesterday? I, I felt like the, there, there are several, actually. Cedric Baxter and Mo Blackwell are going to be ready to go for Texas. That should be a punch uh, to the uh, Texas uh, run game for sure, uh, who had to rely almost solely on Jonathan Brooks uh, against Wyoming. Uh, Cole Hudson and um, Chris Ross, I thought this was great news, actually, in the long term. Neither sustained season-ending season injuries. Steve Sarkeesian saying both. Uh, would be about out about a month or so. And then Baylor, Jerry, uh, you know, Dave, Dave uh, Aranda went to the podium and said, Sawyer Robinson likely to be uh, the quarterback for the Baylor Bears. Blake Shapin, the three-year starter, not going to return this week against the Longhorns. Yeah, unless he was playing a little possum, which I don't think is really in Dave's DNA. Uh, it sounds like Shapin is out one more week. Uh, before Baylor hits the road. I thought, well, I listened to Randa's press conference. I thought well, this morning what was interesting to me is how many questions there were about the last Texas versus Baylor guy. This is going to be a jacked-up crowd. These guys, I mean, Dave Aranda commented, Baylor alums have said, if you can only win one game this year, only one, make it be this one. So, again, this is where it starts the, the, the season, the real season for Texas. It's the last year in the Big 12. They are literally going to get everybody's best shot. On the road, it's going to be raucous, right, for what a stadium can provide. Um, Texas, these kids, uh, the, these guys have to understand that every week they are absolutely getting everybody's best shot. Um, I thought the other thing Aranda said that was interesting, he commented that last year Texas had one wide receiver. This year they have two that can make plays. You know, so obviously A.D. Mitchell has his attention. Um, he talked about he talked about he, he, if he can get his defensive line and linebackers, you know, where he wants them as, as a front seven, uh, then that frees up his secondary to do some different things there. I thought that was interesting. Um, watching Baylor, I watched Baylor against Utah, Bobby. Their linebackers are really good players. The kid that transferred, Mike Smith Jr. from Liberty, is really good. Um, obviously, Matt Jones, a senior, is very good. Uh, Kyler Jordan, the redshirt freshman out of Lubbock, is a good complementary player to those guys. They're solid at linebacker. They have experience at defensive line. They've been multiple in their fronts. Three, obviously, they play some of that 3-3, three, three, uh, three deep, the flyover defense. Um three down, three safeties, uh, but they're also multiple. They've played some four down against Utah, which they had to. And offensively, they're going to bring a lot at Texas. I mean, you know, they they do a lot. They've run on some empty. Um, they run some 10. They run some 11. They've, they're going to be multiple. You have to prepare for a lot. I think Texas can get after their left tackle. Like the Alabama game, I think Alvin Ebasil's got a – he's not Caden Proctor's a prospect. He's got some upside, Bobby, but – he was a waste bender at times when people got on him quick. Um, and if Texas can if Texas can exploit that, they're going to have a chance off the edge against them. I, I, I think that uh, I, I've got some stats that I want to go over with people real quick, if you don't mind, on Sawyer Ro Robertson, uh, Jerry. Uh, he's uh, 
He's basically at 48% or excuse me, 45% passing for the year. He has not been accurate, um, but they have kind of gone downfield with him. They're not trying to dink and dunk with him. So it's a little deceptive. Um, uh, 45%, 28 of 62 for 644 yards. Uh, So that's all right. So for 444 yards. So that's roughly uh, right at seven and a half yards an attempt, even though you're only hitting 45% of your passes. Yeah. Uh, And so I would say that that's a little deceptive. Uh, They go for the bigger play. One TD, three against three interceptions on the year. Here's the stat that kind of surprised me. One sack all year of him. He's a good athlete. So so he's getting the ball out. They're not letting him make negative yardage plays so they can keep the Baylor run game in in the situations. That's not unlike what Wyoming tried to do against Texas. Yeah. Uh, he's a functional runner, not a not a fantastic runner, uh, but he has run about 10 times uh, a year. And, and you know, and you know Grimes, they'll run quarterback power with him because he's a good enough athlete, right? So the, the ends for Texas, if they crash hard, Grimes will come at them uh, in, in the QB run game. He, whoever his quarterback is, he will run those guys. If he sees the ends crashing too hard, he's going to come at you with the quarterback run game. Well, the other the other thing Baylor likes to do, Jerry, is they like to run it on third and seven. Yeah. If you put your dime package in or nickel package in, and they feel like you're not respecting the run, they'll just they'll run it on their own 27, third and seven, and try to make it that way. Yeah. Um, they're they're not ashamed of that, and I I saw him do it multiple times against Utah and be successful. Um, and so Texas actually ad- adopted or adapted to that against them in uh, Austin last year. Uh, the year before they did not, and it got them. Uh, so we'll see exactly how that works uh, with Texas and Pete Kwiatkowski in the defense uh, this season. Uh, but I, I think a focal point what we're saying is going to be on the Baylor quarterback Sawyer Robertson and seeing exactly how the young man uh, from uh, Lubbock Coronado uh, can do. A lot of people don't know this, but he is the cousin of Jarrett Stidham, the NFL player, former Baylor quarterback, also at Auburn for a a bit as well. And Um, Aranda talked about Robertson at length in the press conference. He talked about as he may be the most competitive kid on this team. Interesting. Yeah, it was almost like some Shane Bouchelle comments. I'm not saying he's that good from Texas early on. He wants to win in ping pong. He wants to win in Papa Shot. He competes <laughs> against all these guys. He has that. Com- yeah, look, obviously, Bobby, you mentioned his father was a first round pick. He's brought up in that sports competitive atmosphere. There's some similarities there from a competitive standpoint, not saying from a throwing standpoint, but from a competitive standpoint. And probably similar athletically, too, Bobby. I mean, guys that, you know, they're not going to overwhelm you, but they can make enough plays with their feet. Um, to exploit you, especially with Grimes calling plays. All right, guys. Well, we got lots of Baylor questions already rolling in, so we're about to get to those. Don't forget, you got plenty of time to get your questions in. And then also, Drew Kelson will be joining us about 8.30 this morning uh, to talk a little bit about Texas and Baylor and whatever else we come up with. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But let's start with this one from Randy. Randy wants to know, is Wyoming better than Baylor? Uh, we don't know yet. Could be. Um, I, could be. I'll say this. Not in Waco Saturday night. If the two teams played on a neutral field, but not Saturday night in Waco. Texas is going to get Baylor's best shot. No doubt about it. All right. Joe McWaters preaches sometimes. Says, what do we need to worry about when it comes to Baylor? 
run game, run game and, and getting behind the chains. Uh, so what I mean by run game, I mean the Texas defending the Baylor run game yep. uh, is a one. Uh, they, they will make some plays uh, most like in the passing game, most likely because you're going to commit players to the box to stop the Baylor run. And, and so that's, that's number one on, on the, for the Texas offense, it's the uh, defense uh, that, uh, really worries you a little bit about uh, Baylor. Baylor, as people have talked about it, including our Rod Babers here, uh, runs a special type of defense that really confuses offensive linemen. Third and long is not a good situation for Texas against Baylor, and it exposes the quarterback because of the variety of blitzes they can bring, frankly. Uh, and, you know, Rod's mentioned it over and over. Steve Sarkeesian scores roughly eight to nine fewer points against teams that run three high safety looks. Baylor does that quite a bit. Um, and so it's a confusing offense. We're going to see if, if uh, this offseason, Steve Sarkeesian has appropriately, appropriately addressed that. I, I, we know it was a priority of his coming into the season, uh, not, to, not to let that uh, bear down on his offense. Uh, we'll see exactly how that goes. Uh, but uh, the, the things that you worry about are getting in behind the chains against Baylor. Uh, on offense, and then stopping, first and foremost, their run game uh, against Baylor. Bobby, you know that's going to be an emphasis this week. Texas never got Wyoming behind the chains. No. Three quarters Saturday. and you Not cannot, until the third, not until the fourth quarter. Right. For three quarters, they did not. You cannot dictate a game when you, you don't get a team behind the chains, but they are a little more successful in getting you behind the chains, whether it's false start penalties, which didn't happen against Bama, whatnot. Um, uh, first down run defense, huge. Texas uh, never dictate, was able to dictate the game to Wyoming, and that can't happen Saturday in Waco. Uh, Texas is a better team. They have more talent. Uh, Dave Veranda pretty much said it. Boy, he reminds me of Shaka Smart in so many ways, guys, by the way. Nice guy, but, uh, man, um, better coach, better football mind than Shaka is a basketball mind, but, man, there's a lot of similarities there. Um uh, by the way, recruiting-wise, I was at um, Wardell Mack School yesterday, John Aaron, New Orleans. I'm in Mobile today, going to go over to Sarah Land. Uh, somebody asked about the recruiting rankings. I got, I haven't even looked at them. Uh, if you have any questions about who's good, Bobby, and I'll tell you. So. <laughs> I, I mean, I was on the road. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I, I was drove eight hours yesterday. I haven't, I haven't looked at them. But if you have guys. questions, we'll answer it for you. All right, before we move on, uh, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Bird Dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a, a personal favorite of myself and Jerry's, and I think Blake even likes them too. Uh, I'm really happy about our, our sponsor, Bird Dogs. Uh, the clothing apparel company is a real winner in my book. I really like their soft fabric shorts and khaki pants. The pants, guys, they look professional, but they're a lot less stiff than the normal khakis. Uh, they even have cool fabric polos. Jerry was wearing one the other day. Somebody asked where it was from. It's a Bird Dogs uh, polo. Uh, go to birddogs.com forward slash on Texas. That's forward slash on Texas. Or enter promo code on Texas uh, for this free hydro flask-like gift uh, with your first purchase. It's good for coffee in the morning. It's also good for uh, refreshing drinks in the afternoon. That's birddogs.com forward slash on Texas for your free gift. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I'm sincere. They do uh, the the. Uh, this is a good clothing company, in my opinion. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't promote that many. And uh, this one's really good. I got two pairs of bird dog shorts with me on the trip. Rob, I asked Rob where I'm at today. I'm in a mobile today. 
Uh, going to go over to Sarah Land, then I'll head on into the Sunshine State after that. Uh, is to go see Solomon Williams, go see some 2025, see DeAndre Robinson the rest of the week. All right, guys, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk more about Baylor here. We have a couple more questions. Now, I'm going to make this a two-parter. It's actually two different people, two different questions, but they go together. Uh, King Me says, does Baylor have a better run or pass defense, and how do you see us matching up? And then Chris Young wants to know, what's the strength of their defense? I, I think the strength of their defense is Dave Aranda has an identity, um, and he coaches – um, you know, that flyover defense, what's what Texas has struggled with a little bit. And I think their linebackers are very good players. I think Matt Jones, I think Mike Smith Jr. to Liberty transfer is very active. Those are very good downhill players. Uh, Matt Jones is just an active guy. He made some plays in, in coverage uh, against Wyoming. Uh, I mean, sorry, against Utah as well. When Baylor keeps everything in front of them, I think they're really good on defense. I think you can get behind them. And that's what Aranda has to protect against. Well, that's what Texas State did, right? In the yeah. in the the loss, uh, uh, kind of surprising loss to start this year for uh, Dave Randy and his crew. I, I would say that their defensive front is the team's strength, not just the not just the defensive strength, the team's strength. Uh, they've got some adults uh, in the room on the defensive front, not only at linebacker but also at defensive line. Uh, so Gabe Hall, T.J. Franklin, those guys are back. Uh, those guys are are guys that have started, I think, now three years each. Um, and have been pretty good. They're holdovers from the Matt Rule regime, so they kind of fit that size length profile that people like. Um, and uh, I, I think that if Texas can run on Baylor, it'll open up the passing game and vice versa. Uh, but that is absolutely the strength of their team. Special teams has not been great for Baylor this year. Uh, so watch for that a little bit uh, as well. And that may have an impact on the game. Okay, then this next question, guys, is from uh heoli frioli boy and he says i understand respecting your opponent and being team super bowl but are we overstating baylor's level of competition a team that lost to texas state struggled against long island ist what are y'all's thoughts well they didn't struggle against utah and they kept utah points way down um they had utah on the ropes i mean utah scored to go ahead with less than a minute remaining um, I, I watched a lot of that game. I was in Tuscaloosa at the time, and that was the game I, I was watching, flipping back and forth between that and the Colorado game. Um, and Baylor uh, Baylor surprised Utah with a bunch of third-down runs uh, that, for, that were successful early, and that kind of kept Baylor on the field and Utah off of it. Uh, Utah finally got to them, I thought, in the fourth quarter with just superior athletes. Uh, Utah had better athletes than Baylor, better better execution in, in the uh, crunch time. Um, but Baylor is not untalented. Let, let's be clear. I mean, they have guys. It's just uh, they were breaking in a new quarterback at that point in time. Uh, and I, I feel like Baylor, look, it was 16 to 7 at Long Island. I guess Long Island at halftime. They have not played really good brand of football this year. Baylor fans will tell you that. Um, yeah. And I think that anybody that uh, – it's the it goes back to this wild card scenario, to be fair, that Jerry talked about. What are you gonna get on the last game you play in Waco? That's that's the true wild card. You could get a superhuman performance and you, you just don't know. Um, and I think that this will be uh Robertson's third start, so he should start getting some uh, you know, understanding the speed of the game more, etc. 
but uh, we'll see. I, I think Texas's defensive front, it's a big game for Texas's defensive front because they're going to have to re- maintain gap responsibility against this outside zone that Baylor loves to run. Uh, and it'll be a big one for the, the linebackers as well. Uh, they'll, they'll have some responsibility. I think it's great that Texas is getting Mo Blackwell back, by the way. Uh, Blackwell, the uh, young man out of Arlington that uh, has been sidelined, he had a big game against Baylor a year ago. I'm interested to see what Texas does on the offensive line with Cole Hudson out for an extended period of time. Is it going to be um, more – could you see Hayden Connor play some right guard? Uh, because, look, obviously Cole Hudson and DJ Campbell are essentially rotating at right guard. So is Hayden Connor going to play some right guard? And you're going to see Neto this week more at left guard. You know, so Hayden Connor maybe plays – gives DJ Campbell a couple of series off at right guard. Neto comes in for a couple of series at left guard. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Texas rotates offensive linemen this week. Um, obviously, Connor Robertson's now your number two center. Um, so that I think that'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> Wayne Olden says, enjoy the nice weather while you're here. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not bad. Um, I, I think that'll be interesting. Somebody somebody also mentioned that Wyoming set their quarterback and changed things up against Texas. Uh, they didn't do that. Wyoming's quarterback was hurt. I mean, it, he, he he's had an injury history. They pulled him in. The, he got he got dinged against Tech. They pulled him in the fourth quarter against Portland. Uh, they were saving him for the Mountain West. They were saving him for the rest of the season because he's had an injury history and he was already banged up. All right, Joe, I'm going to move over to some super chats that we need to grab real quick. This first one uh, from Burt Reynolds. He says, can on Texas football have a special football theory this week with Scipio Tech's guest appearance to go in-depth on how Sark should exploit the flyover defense. Bobby. That's absolutely – so they're absolutely going to be talking about that. I haven't talked to Paul Wadlington about if he wants to join. I, I need to talk to Rod and Ian about that. But that is absolutely going to be the the emphasis of, of that. Uh, Rod and Ian have been talking about this actually for a couple of weeks. It wasn't It wasn't their – they didn't come up with this on Saturday night after, after uh, Wyoming deployed it for a little bit. So um, I feel like that's going to be what, what we hear and see from Rod and Ian. Uh, and I, I do like your, uh, I do like your, your handle there, eastbound and down. I, was, that was one of my favorite movies when I was like ten. It's a great movie. All right. I, I, like somebody's asking about Liam McNeely. Texas just look. Uh, Liam McNeely sees himself as a one and done player. Texas does not. Uh, so that Texas uh, has other guys, um, and they're uh, that's that on that basketball recruitment. Okay, and then this next one's for you, Jerry. Uh, and I think Justin may have joined just a little bit late because you had talked about this a little bit before he asked this. Jerry, here are the winners and losers of the updated recruiting rankings and good morning from the job site and Chocolate Bayou. Yeah, like I said, I was on the road eight hours yesterday. I, really, I haven't looked over it. I mean, obviously, I think uh, from what some people texted me, um, DeAndre Robinson, Alex January, those guys will continue to move up senior year rankings. Those big guys, uh, those got those rankings tend to get corrected. Obviously, Christian Clark's been out. He returned last week with 200 yards. He's underrated nationally. Um, you know, I, I think uh, if Jordan Johnson or Bell's still a three-star, that's a miss. So, I, 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 Jerry, one quick. I haven't had a chance to like, and I won't probably until for this weekend. Honestly, I'm I'm on the move too much. This yeah, week. hey guys, I looked at him a little bit yesterday. The one that uh, kind of it still myths me is Christian Clark, uh, young man out of Arizona. I, I still believe that he may be one of the, if not the top running back in the country, one of the top two or three. 
I, I just think he's special. Uh, they did. They had finished the rankings uh, for this past grouping before he returned to action on Friday. So they had actually finished the rankings on Wednesday and Thursday of this past week. So that his 200-yard performance returning from injury was not in, imputed in this uh, rankings. I think he'll go up in November as long as he stays healthy. Uh, he had a whale of a game. I don't know if y'all saw some one of the cuts he made in the hole, Jerry. Oh, yeah. But Christian Clark, uh, I'm here to tell you, there's, there's, not, there's not two or three running backs that make the runs that he's made and with the power that he has. Uh, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Jerry is is Nick Chubb. That's that's the comparison for me with him. Just tremendous. All right, uh, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about game time now before we bring Drew Kelson on here shortly. Yeah, I'm excited about having Drew on. Um, all right. The, the Baylor game is upon us. Uh, I want to want you guys to be introduced to game time. The app, it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country and for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy. So if you're going up to McLean Stadium, you'll know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And it's absolutely perfect for last minute tickets. If you if you basically decide on Saturday morning you're going up, I think the kick's at 6 or 6.30 this weekend. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've personally used game time for sporting events and concerts for both myself and my family. Uh, so if you need last minute tickets, there's really no better place. The tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through email. You get the automatic uh, pass the, with the barcode. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for, your, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ONTEXAS for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, and again, what I really like is the fact that you can view your seat ahead of time. I think that's uh, very valuable, especially in a football stadium that you're unfamiliar with. No doubt about it. All right, guys. I believe Drew is with us, so I'm going to bring him in. And good morning, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you doing? How's the national champ doing this morning? <laughs> <laughs> feeling great. Feeling great. Feeling great. I'm excited about Big 12 play. Hey, do we see that photo in the background? Is that you running with Reggie Bush and trying to make that interception? Is that that's what I see I, in the background? That, that pick is when I have the ball in my hand. <laughs> I won't tell you what Hey, I Drew, um, you went up to Baylor and played in Waco before uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, a different time for Baylor in their history, though. They were not exactly revered uh, when you went up there, right? Um, and now Texas is going into enemy territory, and we believe that they're going to – every team in the Big 12 is waiting for their very last pop at the Longhorns, right? Uh, give us a sense of what that means internally to a team, uh, in your opinion. I mean, you've been the – you've had the – you've been the hunted before, right, uh, for the Longhorns. What's it like uh, going into conference play uh, and being the hunted? Oh, man. You, you know, the good coaching really is what's going to have to – kind of drive this because every game, no matter what, you have a coaching point, you have something that we need to clean up, something we need to work on, something that we want to do better. And so regardless of the opponent, I think keeping the preparation consistent is key. Um, and, and and making sure that every player feels like there's something they need to go out and prove, something they need to go out and clean up. No one should ever have a game where they – 
they they just roll out there just going through the motions. And so I do feel like there's been a couple instances where we've lost that edge, but um, that's how you keep an edge is making sure every individual player knows that, you know, they have something to prove each and every week as an individual. And I think collectively it all comes together on the field when, when everyone does, does their, does their thing. You look at, uh, you've seen Baylor play a little bit this year. Not much. Nobody has the long Island game. I don't, I think it was on ESPN plus, uh, but Baylor last year, what, what we were asked earlier, what concerns you when you play Baylor uh, from based on what you've seen and with uh, Dave Aranda and uh, Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator there? I mean, Dave Aranda is a defensive coach and there's nothing else he's going to show up with, even schematically, which is the key thing, regardless of the athletes, schematically, he can show up with the game plan that just forces us to do one thing. I, I do know that's what he likes to do. And so we'll figure out what he wants to force us into doing. Uh, my guess is it'll be, hey, prove that we can run the ball, um, not just in, in the fourth quarter when we really need it and when guys are worn down. But I think we got to figure out if we can run the ball early in the games and consistently early in the games. So I, I do anticipate they're going to muddy up the windows for us from a passing game perspective. And if there's any coach that I could could bet on could could make that happen, uh, Dave Aranda is one of those that I just you got to expect that from him. Yeah, Rod loves his defensive scheme. He just says it cr creates all kinds of confusion. Yeah, it's it, it's it, this is one of those games where you hope the guys are dialed in and hope that we just find an edge that that works regardless of that because we we just don't want a muddy game against a team like this. Uh, there, there shouldn't be a reason for it. Um, we have all these edges, meaning we have all these different advance advantages as a team. Um, and while I know. Sark has been proud, and, and, and I can say I, I've been proud. I mean, we can all collect from you and proud and say, okay, we can win games in different types of ways, uh, but we need to figure out which way we're going to lead with and which way we're going to take ownership of. And um, people just know, like, this is what the Horns do well. Uh, regardless of the ways we can win, uh, the different various types of approaches we can take, what is the way we know we can go out um, and they can't handle us and our best on our our best matter is defeats their best no matter what and it, yes it, it, that's uh that's a good point it's like talking about an identity that you're asking the horns to really develop right we know they can beat them different ways but is it going to be the run game is it going to be rpo is going to be playing people deep i think what's interesting is what we saw against wyoming they wouldn't let texas throw deep and so that takes that identity away altogether uh, Jerry, you, you or Blake have anything for, for Drew this morning? Yeah, Drew, I don't know if you uh, – obviously you had something, uh, a family event Saturday night. Did you get did you get a chance to go back and watch any of the Wyoming game? Yes. Or, or did I you throw that table and move it. on? <laughs> I, I was literally on my phone <laughs> back of the, in the back of the corner. Ironically, uh, we, we were back in the back corner. It was a nice BYOB wedding, um, <laughs> which was fun. So um, – but yeah, I got a chance to sit back and then watch the game, and um, but th but then I came back and watched it. Uh, you know, I, I think Wyoming. There's two observations I had. Uh, Wyoming, much like Rice, I think we take for granted the coaching, take for granted the the maturity of the players, and I think we undervalue how far that goes in just to having a team show up prepared, not making mistakes, and sticking to their game plan. Uh, the the other thing that I think that are parallels between those two games. We rotated a lot of guys. Um, uh, Michael Taft got a lot of got a lot of burn. I mean, we're we're seeing guys get on the field that we didn't see in the Bama game. Uh, so I, I do think 
one of the plans for that game was to get as many guys out there as possible, uh, get them some reps in an environment where we should feel comfortable um, with them getting those reps, uh, to be frank. And, you know, we had a few plays that were missed because we were rotating guys through that just weren't as experienced and weren't, weren't, weren't filling in their, their responsibilities the right way. And, you know, that happens. Uh, but I anticipate uh, moving forward, we will run with the guys. I mean, this is a three-week audition, if you will. Uh, but I think we're going to continue to lean on the guys that that, that have consistently performed their responsibilities uh, over the last few weeks. I drew uh, speaking with Drew Kelson, former Longhorn. Uh, you're going to be joining us again this weekend uh, on the post game show with myself, Rod Babers. Jerry may step in as well. Uh, we missed you last weekend. Hopefully, uh, you get back to, to that. We everybody's asking about where's Drew? Where's Drew? Uh, you know, when you have a honeydew and the wife says you're going to a wedding, you're pretty much going to a wedding, right? Is that, is that knew, how it works in your family? I, I knew the wedding started at three, I had already done the math in my head. I was like, oh, wedding short. Okay, well. Seven o'clock game kicks off, you know, I'll, I'll be back home. No, it's uh, like, no, we, we'll be done around 11. It's like 11. Hey, <laughs> was, hey, hey Drew, uh, somebody asked about what's unique about playing at McLean Stadium in Waco. It's changed a lot since you played there, obviously. Was there anything about playing there that stood out to you? I mean, sometimes it's the smaller but can get loud. But, I, I mean, I think y'all beat him 60 nothing and remote scored every time he touched a ball from my memory uh, that national championship season. But was there anything unique about playing there at all? I So playing at Baylor when I was there. Uh, so I also went to a Baylor game. When Baylor won the Big 12 championship, what was that with Matt Rule his last yeah. year? Um, I went to a game that season. Texas played there that season. Uh, and my boy Frank was actually coaching for, for Frank O'Kale and was coaching for Baylor at the time. And when I tell you the stadium when they were doing well under rule versus when I played against them, it's the same. I mean, the, the environment before the game, the environment after the game, there's nothing rowdy, nothing loud. Nothing, I mean, they won the game and you just you thought we were walking out of a out of a, a funeral or professional. I mean, people <laughs> show up. Uh, they may not like Texas. They they like football, but uh, that that environment is not uh, overwhelming at all. I, what I do think is a difference in in, in in games with teams like Baylor is unlike Wyoming and really honestly unlike Rice is our players know their players. Correct. And so that relationship standpoint, I do think it can get whether it gets chippy, gets competitive, gets um, – I think that's a difference when you play against the Big 12 or play against schools in state is the players know each other. And so that just on the field in and of itself, uh, you get some – you know, players get juiced up for it regardless of the crowd. Hey, great Drew. Point. Um, great point, Drew. Yeah, great point. Question for you about this. Uh, where did y'all stay the night before when you traveled to Baylor? Like, did y'all go up halfway? Did you stay in Waco? Did you stay in Salado? Y'all stayed, stayed in Temple. Temple? Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that That's what people, a lot of people don't realize. Like, Texas stayed in Birmingham the night before Tuscaloosa and then drove in the hour before. They don't necessarily, team doesn't necessarily stay in the city. Uh, and then they have a little bit of a drive before him. Uh, speaking with Drew Kelson, uh, national champion, linebacker, uh, safety, played running back even a little bit as a, as a freshman, they got forced into action there. Uh, Drew, a uh, question that, that, that uh, I think is on a lot of people's minds right now, 
is where do you see Texas overall right now? They're ranked number three in the AP. Is that overranked in your opinion, potentially? Is it still, you know, to, to be determined what this team really is? Yes. Yes. Is it overranked? Sure. I mean, are they a top five, top 10 team? Sure. At the end of the season, I think that they have an opportunity to get there. Uh, but I, I don't see, I mean, these rankings to me, how, much, how many of them are earned? Um, there are certain schools out there where it seems like Washington, no matter who you put on the field with them, they're going to put up a lot of points and they're going to shut you down. Uh, they, they scare me. Um, OU appears to be doing their typical blowout, everybody leading up to the Texas game. So, yeah. um, you know, if nobody's properly ranked right now, uh, it's good for conversations, but I, I think these guys, they know they still have work to do. I'm, Ironically, I just really don't feel like they – I'm not going to say they don't feel like they belong there as number three, but they probably feel like they need to prove it every week now. I, I would agree with, with that, especially after the Wyoming game. Jerry, Blake? Yeah, Jerry, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Houston Lamar beat Doby 1,000 to nothing Friday, and Bobby <laughs> went to Doby. So if you have a parting shot for Bobby, this is now a good <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw a rod. I saw a rod and Bobby talking about it the other night. Hey, the days of Trevor Cobb are long gone at Dobie, okay? <laughs> the days of Trevor Cobb are long gone. Hey, uh, Drew, uh, talking with Drew Kelson. Uh, Drew, the, the questions that, that that come in when we talk about the Baylor team um, and the type of offense that they run with that wide zone, you are a linebacker. It really stresses the linebackers in the defensive front, right? Uh, trying to stay in your lanes, and you have to plug the right hole as the as the, as the actual holes move on you based on on what the offensive line is doing explain to people what you're really looking for there as a linebacker and and trying to figure that out well i'll say first of all having a good d-line is key for that um i i mean i i i lost uh, we had a game against mizzou uh, that that championship year and and this was probably the first game where i got exposed as never having played linebacker because i felt like the guard was getting up on me at the snap of the ball so quick. And it was just, uh, by the second half, I wasn't playing anymore. <laughs> and I didn't play much more the rest of that season until I, I kind of had some time to, to learn how to play fast and get off blocks. Uh, but I think the key thing with, with, with this is our D-line is going to have to continue to do what they've been doing, uh, not just in having their gap responsibilities, but also in pursuit from the backside. Uh, the key, one thing that can be tricky about these types of offenses is as a D lineman, you want to get penetration. You really, really like you see a seam, you have your gap. And sometimes in these types of offenses, they want you to be in your gap and they want you to get penetration so they can flush you out and they can find those backdoor cuts. So guys have to really be within, like just be really, really aware because you may be right in your gap and be doing your job, but that may be exactly what they want you to be doing so they can flush you out and move you out of the, out of the way for, for a back cut or something like that. So uh, penetration is not always great when you play against a team like this. You want to make sure that you're stout at the line. And then once there's a commitment by the running back to which direction he has to go, that's where you can shed your blocks and get going uh, beyond what, what your gap responsibilities are. Does it help Texas to have depth along the defensive front in this regard? I mean, because that, that's that's a lot of work for a defensive lineman running up and down the line of scrimmage horizontally. I mean, I've been wondering, I was like, is this something that's new? I mean, are we, uh, 
had do all teams rotate this many D linemen because it feels like it's something that should have been doing. I mean, you want to have as many as possible who are uh, playing to a standard uh, that you can get on the field. But that, 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 this is, I mean, yes, yes. To answer your question, yes, we need defensive linemen. We need the depth. We need to rotate guys through. We need a pass rush package. We need guys who can tire the offensive line down um, so that we can get after them later. So, um, I do think depth is going to continue to be a strength for us. Uh, it, it has been so far this year. I'm excited about what that D-line can continue to do. And I was happy to see uh, Baron Sorrell specifically last game. Finally, he's been doing his job, been doing everything, but you just can't control when the ball is coming your way and having having the stats that back it up. So I'm looking forward to um, seeing these guys perform again. They, they've really been stout this year. I agree. Before we let you go, we got to know what's your prediction for this weekend. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. I, I think we cover the spread if, if, if there's a prediction as far as scores go. I, I And the reason why, and this is all assuming we play to our standard. I don't like to predict that we're not going to play to our standard, uh, but I do feel if we play to our standard, we should more than, 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 than we should win this game comfortably, uh, even on the road. So, um, you usually, you know, you want to find a reason. You know, these last three games, uh, it's easy to get up for Alabama. It's easy to just roll it out there against Rice and then Wyoming. Uh, but this is, I mean, you can call it revenge tour. You can call it whatever you want. Uh, these guys have to have an edge every play. They have to play to a standard. And I think we've had a good variety of games that show us what our standard is. And I, I do think if we play to our standard, uh, we, we should win this game by, by two scores and win it comfortably. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. There you go. All right, Drew. Well, thank you so much for joining. We appreciate it as always. Thanks. Have a good one, Drew. Well, I'll see you on Saturday, buddy. See you. See you. All right, man. Have a good week, guys. Drew Kelson, what a good guy, man. What a Great good guy. No oh, doubt about it. All right, y'all. Well, we got more questions to get to, and uh, we actually got quite a few recruiting questions. So let's knock some of those out of the way real quick. So Jerry Richard Bostic asked, do you think that Daniel Cruz and Colin Simmons, per talent slash upside, are both day one starters next year, or does Cole Hudson and Ethan Burke hold them off due to experience? Well, uh, both those guys are early enrollees. So the one thing we know about early enrollees is they tend to push. You see the difference in Derek Williams, as talented as he is, is not an early enrollee, right? Uh, so Cruz and Simmons will be in Austin in January. Boy, center, immediate starter, that's a tough one. That, that's a longer haul. Daniel Cruz is playing center for the first time this season. 
for Richley. He's doing tremendous, by the way. But then you're going to go to the college game. There's going to be a big learning curve playing center there. The calls, the off, the, the scheme. There's just a lot in front of Daniel Cruz. I, I, I think it'll he'll probably take some time to really learn that position a year and learn that position. Uh, physically, he's going to be ready to go. But just learn the position, learn the scheme, learn the calls. That's a big ask for freshmen. Now, Colin Simmons is an ed- edge rusher. I think he's going to be an impact player for sure. Um, will he start? I mean, we'll have to see what this team looks like next year. But uh, whether he starts or not, he's going to be playing plenty of snaps firing off the edge. I want to say this about uh, center position next year, Jerry. A lot of people are overlooking this fact. Jake Majors is – he's really only a junior. Right. Uh, people, A lot of people think he'll go on uh, and uh, not necessarily declare for the pros, but he's he's a really intelligent guy. He could probably go into business right out of school. So some people are thinking that might happen. But he also could be – go for his MBA at Texas for an additional year. So yeah. Texas has that – I mean – I got to be honest, uh, he's played pretty well this year, in my opinion. I think that I told you all that I thought he was probably the unsung hero of of the team at this point. Jake Majors, the center, uh, he has had a good season. There's no reason to replace him if he's going to be a four year starter. Let's be clear if he wants to if he wants to come back and play. Then this next question here, guys, is from E. Kim, and he says, good morning from Austin. Last day here for me before I head back home on Wednesday. Jerry, is 2025 a two-tight-end class? Ooh. Um, Possibly. Uh, let's see what te- – I think Texas will go to the portal uh, for a stretch-the-field type of tight end, playmaking tight end, and that will all depend on how many years that kid has left. Um, if it's a one-year player, obviously that affects your 25 recruiting. If it's a guy with multiple years – then we'll see. And so I, I think it's really going to come down to that, who they get out of the portal and what is his classification. The one thing I would say that Jerry's talking about here, Sark tends to like two types of tight ends, one that can stretch the field and be a receiver and also be that H back that kind of secures the backside on cuts. Uh, and then he likes the true inline tight end. Uh, Jordan Washington, the 2024 is that is the, is the receiver. Right. So um, if they go big, we'll see where they go. I think I'm like, I'm with Jerry. I think they need a a receiving tight end more so in this uh, and they need a portal guy. uh, If we believe, and I do believe that JT Sanders right now is most likely to head to the pros. Hey, one other thing uh, they mentioned, Ethan Burke uh, in that uh, last question, guys Mm -hmm. talk about guys that are going to have a real hard time. Maybe. Ethan Burke standing up against the wide zone is a, a could be a critical piece of this equation uh, on Saturday. If he can stand up against that, Texas is in business. If he can't, who's going to do it? Is it Justice Finkley? Um, are they going to run Alfred Collins out there and play big up front? Those those are good questions. Hey, Utah, I'll tell you what Baylor did. Baylor attacked those edge players. They got those guys crashing down, and they ran quarterback power right behind them. Yeah. I think you're going to see that. They're they're going to try to get that flow going. And then they're going to try to run quarterback power right behind you if you crash hard. I, I think it's going to be uh, – that has to – you have to be very disciplined at that position, Saturday, to Bobby's point. Very disciplined because that is where they're going to attack you in the run game in multiple ways. Both Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke, by the way, are intelligent players. Yes, the high IQ football players, and so that 
that should play in it. At the same time, Baron Sorrell's seen this offense before. I'm not sure Ethan Burke has. Correct. All right. Hey, Sue Sortiz, he wants to know, are there any possible flips? He's waiting for flip season. So that's that's got to play out. I mean, let's just think back to when Utah beat Florida and the comment sections are, when's Matt going to flip? Two weeks later, Florida beats Tennessee. I mean, look, and and now everybody's like, well, it's just a matter of time until Corey Gibson flips uh, uh, to Texas. Well, they play Florida State this weekend. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a long season. Um, first of all, it's a long season. Wardell Mack, he didn't take that Florida loss to Utah and say, I'm out of here. He showed up in the swamp last weekend. These are long recruitments that are going to go into November and December. Um, Texas has to handle their business um, and be in a position to continue to push these guys. I mean, look, your guys that I think Texas is recruiting really hard committed to other places. I saw Wardell Mack yesterday, Sark. Terry Joseph talked to him every day on some level. So does FSU. So does LSU. All three of those teams are going after Florida right now. There's the one thing about Wardell Mack, though, that's interesting to me. And I said this when I went uh, by there in the summer, and Bobby will remember this, is I felt like Florida, there was something that he really liked about Florida. And then talking to him yesterday again, talking about Florida and Florida State, he's a kid that I think likes the idea of being in the state of Florida. Just something to remember I think there's something to that. And he just might might just like being in Florida. Hell, I love living in Florida. Okay. When I did, I get it. He, I, there's something that he gravitates to in the state of Florida. Doesn't mean he's going to sign there, but there's something that keeps him that he likes in his mind about being in the state of Florida. Um, Corey Gibson, I think Texas has a shot. Uh, They'll keep recruiting him. Uh, Then, you know, look, Ty Anthony Smith, Committed day and M linebacker from Jasper, Weston Davis, offensive tackle at Beaumont United. Committed day and M. Texas likes those guys. Um, Texas likes both those guys. They'll keep recruiting them. Um, somebody's asking about Solomon Williams. I'll, I'm going to see Solomon tomorrow at some point. So um, we'll see if he's set that visit. He's supposed to be in Oregon for the Colorado game this weekend. That's pending. Uh, what's going on with a, uh, a family member that was in the hospital, which is what caused him to. Uh, have to cancel that visit last week in the Texas. Want to say one other thing here, guys. It was about this time of year last year when the Longhorns hopped on Warren Roberson. Yeah. So uh, just from a recruiting perspective, one of the things that we're looking at right now, kind of behind the scenes, Jerry, myself, Justin Wells, Eric Nalene, we're trying to see is Texas finding somebody that diamond in the rough that maybe wasn't this big name player uh, preseason that now the coaching staff has kind of glommed onto and said, okay, we want that guy. And it doesn't have to be committed to a national power, by the way. It's just one guy that they like, one or two guys that they like and, and think are having good senior years. Well, and I think we've mentioned it before. I think we look at, we're looking at safety position for guys in, as a senior. Um, that's what happened with Jelani McDonald, Warren Roberson, who was seen as a versatile DB. Um, I think I think safety is another position to look at as a senior uh, this year. And we'll see if a couple of names pop up. I, I think Bobby and I think one one or two might. Um, Brandon, somebody asked about Brandon Baker odds, man. I'm, I'm sticking with Texas. I, you know, early returns from Nebraska as they didn't think they did enough. We'll see. He, he announces on the 24th. Uh, I think Texas is the favorite over Ohio State. Um, Oregon and Nebraska headed in that decision. I've heard nothing to make me back off of that. Somebody asked about Josh Lair. We'll see if Texas pushes. 
this week. He's uh, the human hit stick announces uh, uh, September 24th as well, Sunday. Um, it, it, I think it's going to be Washington unless Texas really pushes, unless mom just says you're not going that far from home and he goes to Baylor. <laughs> okay. And then uh, let's go back to, we have some more Baylor questions. Um, Todd Lacey says, Texas, Texas needs to give their best effort and focus squarely on Baylor. Why would they look ahead? A loss would be catastrophic to winning the conference, so there's no reason to be looking ahead. No, well, I don't think anybody thinks they're looking ahead. I mean, they're not looking ahead to Kansas. Um, and not and that's not a disrespect to Kansas. It's just, you know, Baylor is a team that beat Texas fair. I mean, really beat Texas two years ago. Uh, and Texas had to give it everything they had last year to win in the, the second half. So I don't think the Longhorns expect anything other than a, a hard-fought game. Uh, the, the question is, you know, Texas, what are they going to do on offense to switch things up when you don't have Bijan and Roshan in the backfield? And how much has Texas improved versus has Baylor fallen off or what, what's going on there? Because obviously the loss to Texas State for the Bears, uh, if you're a, a Baylor fan, is alarming to say the least. So uh, I don't think they're looking ahead uh, or uh, past them. Uh, I think that uh, Texas uh, probably got a wake-up call in that regard of uh, looking past people uh, with Wyoming, uh, in my opinion. So uh, I expect a full I, – I expect a really good effort uh, from Texas this weekend. Hey, uh, by the way, Tetapari won. Don't go in the chat retirement, but do show a picture of your Big 12 championship ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We have a question from UT Parking, and he says, if Derek Williams keeps growing, does he remain at safety? Could this be an overshone sort of thing? Nah, he's a safety all the way for me, and I do think he'll keep growing. I think he'll be a 6'3", 210, 215-pound safety because he's got the feet of a corner. I think it's a, I think he is a natural safety um, with uh versatile DB feet. I mean, I, I think he's got wide receiver corner type of foot quickness, change of direction, uh, reactive quickness. I think he's a safety all the way and he's going to be big physical safety and he's going to be a tremendous player. Did, Jerry, didn't you say his dad was six foot six? Dad's six, six and mom is six feet tall. Like wow. when I was at Westgate High, they were thinking he may end up being 6'4", 230-pound safety because he's that athletic. <laughs> the main thing is, here's the main thing, guys. He's got the he's got safety eyes. You yeah, know, Herm, Herm, Herm Edwards always used to tell guys at the Under Armour game when I was a part of that, maybe it's about the eyes. It's about the eyes at that position. It's about the eyes. Um, he, he, he And I can tell you being around him, Talking to his coaching staff, uh, his head coach at Westgate was a Division One corner DB. Um, he confirmed that he's he's got safety vision. He's got safety eyes. He plays it the right way. Now we got a question about another freshman here. Uh, any news on Jelani McDonald's development? Is he behind Williams right now? Different position. Jelani's working at star right now and uh, playing some special teams. Yeah, so, and, and, and and I think that to his point. Um, Jelani's learning a singular position for the first time, kind of like Darian Gillette is, right? Those guys that from smaller schools, they play everywhere. Now, Derek Williams did too, but Derek Williams came up as a safety, and then they just had to play him everywhere. Uh, but Jelani McDonald, high school quarterback, right? I mean, 
he's learning. These guys are locking into a position and really learning it for the first time. And, and I do think there's a curve with that for guys, but their athleticism will show up early. Hey, Jerry, at that star position, we didn't see Jalen Gilbo again last week. Yeah, uh, They went with Austin Jordan when they rotated out uh, uh, uh Barron. I wonder how much uh, legacy injury issue there is with Jalen Gilbo right now. And, yeah. and that time that he missed away is, is kind of pushed him back a little bit. Yeah, that's a good question because he definitely uh, um, he definitely had the knee brace on at the start of fall camp. Um, so, but so did Isaiah Nair, and he didn't Saturday night. Um, but uh, you know, there, there, I think there's definitely something there. Hey, Jerry Greg Kelson chimed in, and he said, "Eyes and feet." All right, Julio Games says, knowing that Texas should beat Baylor, is this more of a game where Sark is adjusting to a great defensive mind coach? I feel like this is a game where we see Sark has developed. No more Bijan. That's the hope, right? That's that's what Texas fans, I think, are relying on. Uh, there's another question here uh, and that, uh, that Jose Rodriguez asked a, a, a good one as well that kind of combines into this, Blake. And that's uh, is the strategy to combat the three three five running heavy personnel and pivoting to spread from that personnel grouping. Uh, Rod, I, I can't go into all of the details because I'm not the football savant. Like I, I, I don't know that that X's and O's as well as other guys do. Rod thinks declaring heavy makes the three three five have to declare heavy too, and that changes their their ability to to really focus on what they're going to do. Um, and so my opinion is that sounds right to me, Jose. Um, you declare heavy, use a guy like Malik Ogbo as a sixth offensive lineman, but then still spread, right? You run three spread, you went three wides with JT Sanders as one of the wides and AD Mitchell comes off the field or Jordan Whittington comes off the field and run, a, you know, it's basically a, a it's a, a heavy 12 personnel look. Uh, but really, JT Sanders is a wide receiver, so it's an 11 look with the heavy package. That's that's what a – by the way, you couldn't do that with another tight end. Very hard to do that with anybody else on the Texas roster. It's part of what gives Texas uh, some strategic advantage against other P, other teams. All right. Uh, Sawyer – well, if I can get myself over here. Sawyer W. says, how many sacks so far this year and compare it to last year? I can tell you guys, I looked it up while Bobby, you were talking. They have eight sacks so far uh, for a loss of 55 yards. But how do you feel like they're doing versus last year? Oh, Sark had a good comment on this. So eight, eight sacks this year by six different players. They're getting guys on the ground uh, this year. Last year, all year, they had 27 sacks. And so that was through 13 games. They're already a third of the way through there, and they're not even a quarter. They're just now a quarter of the way through the regular season. Um, At this rate, they will end up in that 30 to 35 range at least. Um, I think they have more people uh, getting to the quarterback. Ethan Burke um, and Anthony Hill improved this team as pass rushers. The question that I would have and the things that, that are interesting to me is like this weekend against Baylor, Sawyer Robertson threw three games has only been sacked once. Baylor and Wyoming, they're very similar offenses in that they want to stay ahead of the chains at all costs. They do not want to be in third and 15. It doesn't matter what they do otherwise. 
They want to keep the run play on third and seven on the table. So when you bring in Anthony Hill, who's going to pin his ears back, we're going to run right by him and just push him out of the way. So uh, it'll be that, that it's not so much for this year that I'm concerned about. It's how Texas attacks Baylor this game uh, for, for Texas. And that, cause they're just not going to get sacked that often. They don't, they don't run that kind of it's, it's a Bobby's point. We always talk about, well, the flyover defense versus start, right? If, if you're Baylor and you watch the Wyoming game, I, I, I'm guessing I know a lot about what your game plan is going to be Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there. It's nickel and diamond. Yeah. It's staying in third and making sure you get to third and five and not third and 13. It'll be interesting because it, uh, one of the things that the Wyoming quarterback was, was very accurate on the outs, Jerry. Sawyer Robertson right now completing just 45% of his passes. Yeah. By comparison. So, uh, they go he also likes to go a little bit right? further deep downfield. He likes they to go jump. more seam shots, right, Bobby? That's yes. that's their deal. Uh, now, Wyoming did not attack the middle of the field. They stayed outside the hashes. Right, and 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 I thought that was a great game plan because I think one of the reasons the quarterback was accurate is he wasn't under pressure. <laughs> I mean, you know, he 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 pretty much was flowing out there. All right, guys, I know this is something that we talked about at the beginning of the show, but I want y'all to kind of reiterate some of this for some of the people that are just joining us. First one is from Ski Breck. He said, run game's going to be big this weekend. Is Baxter expected to play? And do they pitch count him at a dozen or so carries? And then also, while y'all do that, give us an update on the Cole and Ross injuries as well. Uh, Cole and Ross um, out a month or more. Uh, we'll see kind of their timetables. Um, you know, I think uh, Sark said yesterday, neither one are season ending injuries, which was the best news. Uh, I think it'll be interesting because both those are both key rotational players for Texas. Um, and R Ross, it, not statistically, but you don't have, I mean, Jamon Tapp, I guess, will be Th maybe thrust into a different role now he doesn't nobody has the first two steps of edge quickness that ross had in the program he's pretty elite there for his size um uh but i, th I think tap is coming on he's a bigger frame guy i think with cole hudson it's going to be interesting because i think they're settling into an offensive line rotation now that just kind of got blown up a little bit uh question for me is do you see hayden connor play some right guard relieve D dj campbell for a couple of series and that means netto starts to get a couple of series at left guard We'll we'll see what happens there, and then obviously backup center is now Connor Robertson. But is is the, the other question was is uh, is Baxter on a pitch count? He uh, he ran eleven times uh, against Alabama, four receptions, fifteen or so. So is he a dozen? I, I tell you what, um, I think Sark's got to like a one-two punch of him and Jonathan Brooks at this point. They're just different enough to give defenses different looks. Um, I, I, I like it. I, I like where they're at with this one. Uh, and I do think they'll keep it around 12 to 15, uh, and, and give Jonathan Brooks 12 to 15 to 20. That's, that's kind of my thinking right now. And then speaking of those two, Bobby, Mark Valdez says our, our offense should get more dangerous as Baxter's return, but Jonathan Brooks is still running back one. Do you, what do y'all think about that? I think it's one A and one B. Uh, you look, Cedric Baxter started the first two games. Uh, there, there's a reason he started over Jonathan Brooks. Um, I, I think that you you look at the Texas running back room right now, uh, and those two guys, what I would say is those two guys are definitely your top two. After that, where do you go? Keelan Robinson's more of a boutique back. 
Jaden Blue's trying to become an all per, an all around back, but just isn't there yet. Um, Savion Red is a question mark. I think the use of him in the Wildcat creates a uh, uh, a sense of uh, interest, an interesting idea that Sark may be able to institute more as he gets going. I look, I I think that right now Jonathan Brooks is not RB one. I think it's one A and one B, and I don't think that coaches necessarily distinguish. I don't know that Jonathan Brooks. I, I I do think that that the lack of Cedric Baxter in the game against Wyoming altered Texas's plans uh, to start the game. All right. Well, I just wanted to say. I mean, one guy. It's hard tried- to bruise up. Hey, Jerry. It's hard to bruise up a team when you don't have a bruising running back. What and, and and the last thing you want to do is get Jonathan Brooks injured against Wyoming when Cedric Baxter's already in, in street clothes. They didn't want to have to run him that many times in that game. Ideally, uh, they were trying to get to the Big Twelve uh, uh, play. But I would say this too. I mean, I one guy's got to trot out as a starter. I, I don't really care. I mean, they're different guys though. They have different strengths. I mean, I think the reason I do think the reason said Baxter probably got the nod is he's probably better in the passing game. Probably got better hands. I think that's kind of shown this year, and I do think that's important because you know you you started that Bama game in that bunch formation with Cedric Baxter out there wide wide side of the field, and they just whipped him the ball, and he ran for first down. So I I think if there was one, but the, the great thing is they complement each other well. But the Bobby's point, it gives you two guys who can run in your scheme. You're not trying to fit a back into your scheme. Those two guys fit your scheme. And then, Jerry, I, I saw two more recruiting questions I wanted to ask you real quick that are a little bit different than our normal recruiting questions. Uh, Richard Bostick says, what exactly do you mean when a recruit profiles to Texas? Yeah, I think there's – look, I, I think there's certain kids doing this. I'm sure Bobby's come across it too. That you just feel like they fit at a university. They fit in a city. Some kids fit in a smaller town environment and maybe a more, you know, laid back. I mean, some guys like a laid back atmosphere. They it's just how what kids are like personality-wise, a lot of times, man. It, it could be something, you know, with Texas is does a guy like the big city? Does he like the things um from a business perspective? Is he thinking about things like that along with football? The, the the opportunities in the business world, uh, all you know, it's just different. You know, there's one guy this year I came across it. You know, the more I talked to him, the more I was like, mm, I don't know if Austin's really his place. And, and Bobby, I know knows what I'm talking about with this stuff. You you talk to kids, you know where they profile. I mean, you know, there's some really brash guys that Bobby and I covered that love the University of Miami in the '90s, right, Bobby? Yep. I mean. Let's be real. They fit there. They fit the culture. That's where they felt at home. Um, and it, it, it's it, the great thing about this is these kids have options to what fits their personality. And then there's another recruiting question from Joe McWaters preaches sometimes. He says, will there be a bigger recruiting game than OU for the rest of the season? Um, maybe no for the younger kids. Kansas for the 24s because that's when Texas is looking at bringing official visitors in. So Texas has had that one circled for a while. Um, There's a reason that they've been pushing that game um, to have official visitors in. Uh, But, yeah, bigger for young kids, kids in the stands? No, I don't think so. Um, Not unless you're in in one, one of those really good games in January. 
All right. And then speaking of OU, Zane Petty says, I saw OU is favored over us in the ESPN FPI. I know they haven't played anyone, but they have executed. What are y'all's thoughts? But then he added this as well, guys. We are at a 39% chance against OU in the FPI right now. What do y'all think? Um, I think you can throw the 39% out the window. Um, <laughs> I will say this. They have executed. It's their second year in the system in both offense and defense. I think that the, that matters uh, just like it did, just like it mattered for Sark a year ago. It mattered for Pete Kwiatkowski's defensive system, and we saw improvement in the offense as well. Uh, so OU is going to have that. I think that what OU has right now is their offense is clearly clicking uh, with Dylan Gabriel. Um, so, uh, and he is a good, uh, a really good quarterback uh, and very accurate. Uh, the issue that we'll see is whether or not their defense is actually all that improved. They have not played an offense yet that can really do much. I mean, even SMU right now is kind of ank on offense. And SM, SMU did hold uh, uh, the uh, Sooners to just 28 points, uh, seven of which came uh, from either defense or special teams. I can't remember. Um, look, they blew out Arkansas State. Arkansas State wasn't ready to play. Uh, they blew out the last opponent. I, I'm a I'm. I like where that program is going from a OU fans perspective, uh, because I think Brent Venables is trying to recruit the right type of guys, that sort of stuff. I'm not so sure though, that, that they're really ready to, to win big. So I, I, I think the FPI is a little much right now. All right. And then we have a, a, a super chat here from UT boy, Jerry. Uh, he says, Jerry Hamilton, I guess you were too busy to shake hands with my family and I. <laughs> Much less to have enough respect to respond. Hey, Thanks, baby, another time. I'm letting you take it away. Hi, hey, hey, I, I did respond to you. Uh, look, for people that want to find me, I'll, I'm on Bevo Boulevard. Once that team gets off the bus, man, I got to hit it, though. You know, especially when there's a lot of recruits in town. I had to, I had to jump into the stadium and see where everybody was. I was walking around the facilities, uh, seeing, uh, trying to spot recruits. So nothing personal. I'm always on Bevo Boulevard. When that team gets off the bus, though, man, I'm out. I, I got to – if there's a, if it's a recruiting weekend, man, I got to be on the move. That I, <laughs> Jerry has a job is what Jerry's saying. Hey, I, 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 I met UT boy, by the way. Uh, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you uh, for coming out to the uh, uh, live stream on Friday. Uh, hey, guys, one thing I want to mention – uh, that uh, was interesting. Jerry, I, Will Gallagher, the photographer for Inside Texas, by the way, uh, literally took a photo of recruits on Saturday. You were in the background of the photo of recruits uh, trying to figure out who was who. Uh, you were up in the stands looking down. It was very interesting. I, I thought it uh, said a lot about uh, you and, and what you were trying to do there. Hey, uh, before we get going, we got a couple more questions we need to get to, but I want to tell people about this offer we have at Inside Texas. Uh, Jerry, myself, uh, Eric Nalin, our publisher, uh, Joe Cook, our, our beat reporter, Justin Wells, a recruiting and analyst guy, uh, as well as uh, Ian Boyd, Paul Wallington. We are all on Inside Texas each and every day. Uh, give us a chance uh, to earn your subscription there. Uh, right now, we're running a special two months for just $1 as an introductory offer. If you've subscribed before, this isn't a new sign up. You can't, you know, cancel and then re-sign up or any of that stuff. This is only for new subscribers. Uh, use the promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. 
Uh, make sure you select the monthly offer. Right now, it's a special deal. $1 for two months. Uh, you can't beat it. All right, guys. There are a couple more questions that we need to get to before we go. And uh, one thing that has been asked, and I just had it up, is about JT Sanders. And I have two JT Sanders questions. I'm going to ask you all this first one from Travis Acton. Is JT Sanders going to get a few more looks this weekend? I hope so. Uh, he went over uh, against uh, Wyoming. Uh, Quinn missed him a couple times. Uh, probably overthrew it. Pro probably went to him at, at a couple times when he should have looked elsewhere, and then missed him wide open uh, once uh, when he went to Gunner Helm down the sideline. I, I I think he would definitely get more looks because let's be clear, uh, Baylor's going to focus on stopping the Texas run game first and foremost. That's what beat Baylor a year ago. It wasn't the passing game in Quinn Ewers that beat Baylor. It was the run game. They're going to focus on the run game. That's going to give the tight ends an opportunity. And then we'll follow that one up with this one from Jarrett Johnson. Why wasn't Sanders more involved against Wyoming? I, I think that's a fair question. I think they tried to involve him. They threw it. I think he was targeted three times. Is that right, Jerry? So it's not like he wasn't involved. Uh, I think, I think uh, at least one play – Quinn should have looked back to him, uh, but, you know, he was involved. It, it wasn't that more involved is, is you don't, you only played, you only had 52 snaps, right? And so with 52 snaps, you could say, why wasn't Xavier Worthy more involved? You could say, why wasn't Jonathan Brooks more involved earlier? The, the problem here is when you only have, I mean, that 52 snaps against Wyoming is the least number of snaps Steve Sarkeesian's had in his tenure at Texas. Yeah. By uh, last year, the lowest was 58. So that's six less snaps. He had 58 against West Virginia. I think 59 against UTSA. I might be wrong on who the 58 was against, but that's six less snaps. That's a significant number. No doubt about it. All right, guys, this is going to be the last question for today. And it's a loaded one from Sue Barnes. What do you think is the single most important thing that needs to happen for this team to establish its identity on offense? and defense i think they have an identity on defense i agree um, I, I i i do I, I think they have an identity on defense um offensively um I, i'm interested in that as well i mean obviously sark wants to be a passing team that passes to set up the run uh, they could be a big play passing team that uses that to set up the run um is that the way the personnel is going to go or is that the way the season's going to go long-term? We'll see on that. I think a lot of that's going to depend on how teams play them and do you change up how you attack teams early on if you consistently see some of the same game plans against you. Bobby? Uh, single most important thing uh, for this team to establish its identity, and identity uh, on offense is greater consistency from Quinn Ewers. Hit the easy ones early. Get yourself into a momentum and rhythm. Understand what you're seeing and go from there. They have to get him off to quick starts. Every game he starts quickly, uh, other than, I guess, Oklahoma State last year, every game he starts quickly and does well ends up being a great game for him, in my opinion. Every game he starts slowly, not a great game. So let's let's uh, see Sarkeesian – Talked about it yesterday in his press conference about the need to start better uh, this season uh, against Baylor, against every team. 
They haven't really started the way they wanted to. I, I think part of that is getting Quinn Ewers used to the game speed on game day, uh, getting him throwing the ball out early. They, he, I felt like he was that way against Alabama, right? They got the quick game going, all that stuff. Uh, throwing a slant to Xavier Worthy, which is a 50-50 ball at best, uh, and then a, a out that uh, you throw behind A.D. Mitchell is not how you want to start a game like they did against Wyoming. All right. I got to read this real quick from UT Boy, another super chat for Jerry. He says, Jerry, I realize you got work to do. Personally, I believe you're great at what you do. Next game, we meet at 5 to 6 a.m. <laughs> and shake hands. No, here's the thing. I, I, I met a lot of people down on Bevo Boulevard where the team comes in. That's where I'll be. Where the team comes in, they get off that bus two hours, 15 minutes before game time. I'm always there uh, for home games when I'm in Austin. So jump on in. I should probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 hands said hello to people Saturday leading up. To hey, hey, Jerry, explain for people that haven't been down there and done that, because it's not, this is only like a, a thing that's been going on three or four years, right? Yeah. So what what is that situation like? Because when I when I was in school, people were partying at Schultz Garden and right. uh, not at the LBJ Lawn and not Vivo Boulevard. What exactly do people that want to go to the games and, and root the team on when they come in? Where do they need to go? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah I, I think Vivo Boulevard. I mean, you can enter from the south, depending on where you park, enter from the south or north there on the north side of the stadium, on the home side. I think Chris Del Conte has done an amazing job with that. It's awesome for kids. Uh, the Longhorn Network pregame is set up there. They now have a jumbotron where you can watch. I think Oklahoma Tulsa was on last week. People were sitting there watching that. Uh, the team shop, they have three team shops to sh uh, shop at. There's a lot of uh, a lot of businesses out there, um, you know, giveaways, giveaways. Uh, pictures, all sorts of things. Texas One Fund, there's some athletes not on the Texas football team that'll roll through there. Um, you see, you know, you see beach volleyball on visits, volleyball players on visits. You see everything, basketball. You'll see Rodney Terry and Frank Haith roll through there when they're having an official visit weekend um, with guys and, and the Texas basketball staff. So uh, it's a great place to go. I tell people, uh, obviously the weather knocked everything back last week, but I tell people to get there about three hours before unless you're in transit to the game because there's a lot going on. Um, and, and then Bevo Boulevard right there at that north end, that's where the, the band comes. The team gets off the bus about two hours and 15 minutes before game time. And you can see Sark and all the guys walk into the stadium about 20 minutes before that. On the south end is where they actually bring Bevo in. So if you get there three hours early, you can go to the south end, watch Bevo, get out, of the truck, roll in to the stadium, band's playing. It's pretty cool. Then you can go to the north end when the team gets off the bus. I think it's a great experience. If you have kids, definitely bring your kids to Bevo Boulevard and get there about three hours before the game at least once this season. Definitely. All right. I know my kid enjoyed it. Oh, by the way, you see parents, player parents, and you see recruits rolling through there as well. Yep. It's a Not good setup. Thought. It's a really good setup. It, it shows a, it's a positive image for the university, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. All right, Bobby, before we sign off today, let everybody know what you got coming on on Texas football. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Jerry and, and Justin Wells got to get going today and do their recruiting breakdown. And then we have the live stream again tonight uh, at seven o'clock. Uh, the recruiting breakdown, Jerry's in Sarah Land or in Mobile right now to see KJ Lacey, uh, the quarterback uh, that committed to Texas to 2025, as well as Ryan Williams, the, the wide receiver. Uh, uh, Justin has got some uh, news that he's been 
uh, on top of as far as recruiting uh, for the class of 2024 and 2025 as well. Uh, tonight, uh, the live stream with Rod Babers, myself, and Jerry Hamilton uh, will be there with you. Uh, I want to say thank you, by the way, for Drew Kelson. Uh, he's going to be a regular on with us on Tuesday mornings. I uh, can't wait to keep that going. He's such an invaluable asset to on Texas football and, and coffee and football as well. No doubt about it. We also want to thank Bird Dogs and Game Time both for sponsoring today's show. Thank all of you for tuning in, for the super chats and all that. For the support, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to ring the bell so you're notified anytime we post a video. And then, as Bobby said just a little bit ago, head on over to InsideTexas.com. Use that promo code to your advantage if you're not already a member and get all the latest news on Longhorns and recruiting and everything else. And unless you guys got anything else to add today, then that's going to do it for today's edition of Coffee and Football. For Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.